You know the feeling you walk into a coffee shop, maybe you've been there before, maybe not. But the smells, the sounds, the conversations you have over your first cup of coffee with a friend are almost so good they're spiritual. Too dramatic? Maybe. But I'm going with it anyway. I'm Phil Simmons, and this is First Cup. Welcome to episode four of First Cup. If this is your first time listening, that's awesome. This podcast really tries to bring that feel of a great coffee shop conversation to you. But I also wanted it to be about something. So each episode is recorded at a different coffee shop with a different guest, like an entrepreneur or a creative, or just someone I think will bring some notable insight to a particular subject. For example, on the last episode, episode three, I had on Carl Bakey of Passenger Coffee, who is not only just a fun guy to listen to, but he also provided some really practical tips for you on brewing better coffee at home. That being said, if you want us to highlight your coffee shop for a recording or you want to be a guest on First Cup, just reach out to me with a direct message or email. But enough of that. On this episode, I sat down with Liz Franson, who many may know as Liz Ryden. Yes, the Liz of Liz Ryden Handcrafted Leather Goods, a company based out of Lancaster whose products are not only found online, but also at many retailers across the country. It's worth noting that this was the first episode that wasn't recorded at the crack of dawn, and you can tell by how busy it was in the background. This episode was recorded at Mean Cup on Harrisburg Pike in Lancaster, which is a place with a very unique dynamic and feel. And I actually have to admit something to you guys. Prior to this episode, I had never been to Mean Cup, other than at market, but it was amazing actually, great energy. Um, you had both the energy of business people grabbing a quick cup of coffee um, mixed with some college students meeting for a you know, quote unquote work project, but you still had space and the layout was great where you could just still have space to think and to work. Um, and in this case, record a podcast. So enough of the monologue. Um, let's get into this episode with Liz. I think you'll really enjoy it. Liz, and your maiden name is Liz Ryden, right? Yeah, so my maiden name and business name is Liz Ryden. We decided to keep it when I got married just because it has a strong designer name. Um, But personally, I'm Liz Franson. Professionally, I'm Liz Ryden. Right. I wanted to talk to you first and foremost about your name and putting your name on something. Sure. Because it it just takes a lot of courage, I think. You You can work for a business or you can start a business and name it something and kind of be that behind the scenes but that's not what you've decided to do. You are, you know, Liz Ryden, and your company is you. What made you name it Liz Ryden sure. instead of yeah, something else? Did you have? Yeah. Any so I, my background, I worked for a couple other designers, and that was the route I thought I was going to go. Um, and when I started designing, my husband was like, "You need to sell this. You need to sell this." You know, he's really pushing me to, to go for it. And 
it came down to like a lot of the bag brands that I follow. Like you think of like Kate Spade or right. you know these bigger. They have an actual name to it, and there's something about like having a personal name attached to a brand that really draws people in. Yeah. So I could have named it, you know, like Ride in Leather Goods or something that's a little bit more detached from who I am. But having like a strong female name on the brand I think associates with my customers really well um yeah. it is a little weird like I don't want to be sometimes I feel funny because I'm always talking about Liz Ryden as the brand and it's my own name um but you, it does you talk in the third person yeah. like Liz Ryden <laughs> could go for a bagel right now well, the, crazy, the crazy thing is so I got, started my business right after we got married so I legally changed my name and then because I no longer was legally Liz Ryden I had to buy the rights to my own name back Oh, so wow. they were like, oh, Liz Ryden isn't a real person, so you have to, like, buy a fictitious name. So I went through this whole process of, like, le- legally buying my name after I just changed it. That and it was, is yeah. weird. So I am, like, I have a joint personality, and so I pick <laughs> up the phone, and I'm like, hello, this is Liz. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it's really, I think it helps to have my name on the brand just because people, it's something that, like, once your name's on the bag, it's, it's kind of your reputation. Like you said, it is a big, it's yeah. a bold step, but I think it also helps people know who the maker is, like know where it's coming from and all of that. Yeah, how do you, so that's an interesting topic is, is you are, you're you, obviously, but you're also the business and you're also the persona, which happens to be your name. Can you turn it off? Obviously you have to because you're a mom, you're a wife, like, are you good at basically compartmentalizing your time or scheduling Um. (laughs) yourself into like, okay, I'm... I'm wifeless now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're always thinking, I'm sure you're always thinking oh, about your business. 100%. It's, it's yeah. you and it's your livelihood. Work-life balance is, it's kind of a joke, especially we have a two-year-old, so it's yeah. like, there's no balance in my life right now. But what I've kind of figured out is exactly what you said, setting boundaries of, you know, this time is family time. Like, I'm not going to check emails. I'm not going to go work. And it happens, you know, we, I work out of my house right now, so okay. work happens all the time. Like, yeah. I work late nights, I work during nap times. It's, it's hard to separate, but I think for me it's been setting clear boundaries of, you know, from today from 9 to 5, it's work hours. And then after that, I'm not doing anything but focusing on family. And that's what it's right. had to be. So that's, that's one thing I was curious about, and that's one thing I think probably a lot of, a lot of people curious about yeah. dads and moms alike the term mompreneur yeah um, I've seen that floating <laughs> I, like, around love but and hate that. <laughs> I know I know I didn't I don't know how I feel about it too because it uh, it's obviously catchy but it, I'm like is that demeaning is yeah. that like why yeah like why do we have to have a catchy phrase why is can't dadpreneur a word exactly like dads it's just called oh he's a working dad yeah. moms have to have like their oh yeah um but no it's it's cool my husband and I are both self-employed and so something okay. that we've worked out is kind of like we kind of ebb and flow with each other's schedules. So one day a week, he will just take the whole day off and be with her so I can That's work. Cool. And it, it's given us a lot of freedom. The downside is that we both are constantly working. So yeah. I just feel like when, when you work for a job, you can clock out at, at five o'clock. When you're self-employed, you're working around the clock and it's, it is hard, but yeah. we're figuring out a balance. And there's that, that saying, which I'm sure you've heard of, where someone like an entrepreneur would rather work 80 hours for themselves yes. than 40 hours for someone it's else. It's 100% true, yeah. So... Do you think that your husband being self-employed as well and understanding some of the things that you're going through, continuing to build your business in this thing that I'm sure will become massive 
um, one day. Do you think that that is crucial to your success that you've had so far and the success that you will have? Yeah, I definitely think his support has been like, he's actually the one who pushed me to be self-employed because cool. he knew that I was, I was working for the man. I hated it. And yeah. just like really, it wasn't fulfilling. And he's like, would you rather be making, you know, like making st- like decent money, but working a job that you hate, or do you want to take a risk? And it was that risk that he was the one who like pushed me over the edge and was like, just go for it go for it. That is so um, cool. So yeah, it definitely, he's been super understanding with that. And What's his first name? Oh yes. Sorry. His name's Jeff, Jeff Franson. Good job, um, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> at Jeff Franson. <laughs> he always jokes that I need to give him a little shout out. Oh, there you go. Um, There's the shout he's out. A, he's a wedding photographer. Do you want to be more clear to this? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a wedding photographer and then he mm. also does hand lettering and graphic design and branding. Okay, so, cool. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, we have a little bit of, he does all of my lookbook photography and okay. all of my branding and everything. Yeah, because the photography, everything, that's one thing yeah. that I, I struggle with because I'm just, we talked about me being the, the car business, it's just the time. Like, I'll come home and I'll get home at like 9.30 or 10. I'm like, how much can I squeeze out of the sponge left right. to put into something that I'm more passionate about? Um, and that's something actually, I'll, like a tidbit, I would say a lot of people ask me, like, what is the tipping point between like, okay, I'm working a job right now, but I want to do my own thing. Like, when do you quit? Or when do, when is the yeah. right time? And I always tell people to hold on to that job until you absolutely like need yes. to quit. You know, because it's, there's something to be said for like, I had a part-time job before I started, like while I was starting out. Mm-hmm. And every hour that I was there, I was like, I just want to get home and work on my own Yeah, day. I bet. And it was almost like fire for me to like get going and get that motivation yeah. going it, while I had a stable income. And then as soon as I was like, okay, this is really taking off. I don't need that anymore. I think a lot of people quit their job too soon. You know, they're like, I want to be self-employed. They quit their job, yeah. then they're, they're directionless. And they, yeah. sit, they sit at home and they're like, okay, well, now what am I going to do for money? They don't have anything in place. So like, I always tell people like, hold on to that job and keep going and work. You know, it's going to take late nights. Like a lot of people don't realize they're not willing to put in those late nights. And like, it takes a lot of grind before you get to the right. point. Of, you definitely have to do the things you, you don't want to do, but right. you have to do before you can do the things that you, you want to do. Right. And a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, how, do, how are you, a, like, how do you work and be a mom? And I'm like, I don't sleep. Like, that's the reality. You know, yeah. like some nights it takes. I'm working on three hours. That's yeah, what I got. And not yeah. that that's great, but it's like some nights that's what it's going to take before I get to the point where it's in like yeah. a sweet spot, you know? My first impression is that the materials are very quality. That seems to be the in addition to the, the personalized brand and mm-hmm. just the look of your brand is the materials are you're not just buying some mass produced right Michael Kors in the mall or something like that right. like where do you what's your inspiration for your materials where do you source um, yeah so I all of my leather comes from I, it's all American sourced right now everything's coming from California okay. um, I'm going to be switching to a tannery in Pennsylvania that I'm super excited about it's really local um but I make sure everything is, there's a couple standards that everything has to meet. So it has to be ethically sourced, meaning like that it's coming from a place that uses eco-friendly materials, that it's it's coming from a place that is reputable. You know, it's not right. like super... Mistreating the... Right, or like, I mean, animals are obviously harmed in creating it. Um, right. But a lot of leather is actually like byproduct of the meat industry. So it's not like I'm going out getting exotic furs, like yeah. just for the fur, you know? And I know that's um, been a big... Um, issue in the fashion industry is the, the fur specifically. Right. right, and there's a lot of focus. Like a lot of my customers want to know where is this coming from, how is it made, and so that's always been a forefront. Um, so all of the leather I get, a lot of leathers when it's tanned, or they use like harsh chemicals, and then all of that runoff like damages the environment. So I always make sure that I get it from places that are using eco-friendly materials. That because that matters, you know. Like I don't yeah. want to be part of the reason that the environment is getting destroyed. 
obviously, yeah, you create beautiful things, but you could use any right. tannery that and you wanted. I could go you know? cheap. Like, that's something yeah. that I've... There's always going to be cheaper materials out there. I always try to get the best, like, for the price that I can get. Um, right. So the leather I use is all top quality. It's, like, some of the best leather that you can source. Um, so I actually buy the leather by the entire hide. Like, I get pretty much an entire cow. Um, I design everything myself, cut it down, sew it. So the process is really, everything is American sourced. So, like, the buckles, all of the hardware. Um, and then I try to keep it as local as possible. So if I can find places in Pennsylvania, great. Uh, most of it is from, like, New York City or California. Okay. And then I, I get everything shipped to me, and I do all the production. I'm so. glad you said New York City, but yeah. I have a question to ask you before before we get into that is you had mentioned that you work, right now you have a studio at home. Yes. And then you also mentioned that you basically buy an entire cow. Yeah. <laughs> so can you describe your studio setup? Sure, yeah. So we actually just moved. I'm really lucky. We, we just moved into a house that has a big upstairs attic. Okay. Um, so it's like a third floor loft, and Perfect. that's become my studio space. It's definitely crowded. Like, there is leather. My assistant can attest to this. We cleaned up. There's leather in every nook and cranny. Just, like, it's packed right now. Yeah. Um, but basically, my setup, I have, like, I have an industrial sewing machine. We cut everything basically, like, on a giant table. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely tight. I'm looking for a studio space. That's, like, the next step because... Uh-huh. Working for, like you said, work, work-life balance is hard. There's some nights when I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go upstairs and work, you know? Mm. And even just, like, having the space to be able to work functionally, it's hard. But Sure. Okay, so that's good. I was imagining, like, a pelt <laughs> over the couch. No, no, like, no. Yeah, I have later. a designated workspace, yeah. <laughs> there's not, like, leather in my laundry room. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's leather in my laundry yeah. room. Okay, so back to the New York City. Yes. Because I've seen, before you came on, I had to do a, like, some casual stalking yeah and I've seen a lot of influence and some work in New York City so what's up what's up yeah so I when I was in college I interned and worked in New York City for a couple designers and just kind of fell in love with with the city and that's kind of where I I found my roots as a designer like I'm not from I'm from Pennsylvania I went to school in Georgia but I just really like grew into the designer I am in New York City um there's a lot of resources in New York, so pretty much any, you can walk into any shop in the garment district and find a factory, you can okay. find all of those materials, um, and I just really gain inspiration from the city. Like, what are, like when you sit down to create something, where do you draw the inspiration? Um, a lot of it comes from just the function first, like I normally start with what do I need in my life? Like, what kind of bag is missing? A little Frank or, Lloyd Wright type of... Yeah, it, or even, like, I'll have people tell me, oh, I've been looking for, you know, a great laptop bag everywhere. I can't find one. I really right. need this. Okay. And so a lot of it comes from customer feedback or my own life. Like, okay. I just... I, I need function in my life before... You know, like, it needs Absolutely. to work. And then it also needs to be stylish, of course. So it, it's kind of the, the melting point between, like, function and style. Okay. Um, so I normally start with the function in mind first. So I think, okay, how many pockets do I want this to have? what's it going to be used for you know is this a travel bag is this an everyday bag um, and then I start with the design from there. Right. So, and I always like to when I design I like to keep it super simple so I normally start off with like a ton of things and then I try to figure out how to make it look as streamlined and minimal as possible right. what don't I need right right yeah, just make cool. it really functional that's cool um, I know that your brand is more geared towards uh, fashion for women does that ever cross your mind as like your role in this whole thing you yeah. know as far as the movement of Equality. Yeah, it definitely is. It's empowering, I think, to be self-employed as a woman and to... That's something that I've always thought about, like, my legacy for my daughter. She's going to get to see, like, her mom creating a business. And it's always been... It's kind of cool. Like, that's who I am. Like, my mom was a working mom, and she she started... She's a doctor, and she started her own practice when I was young. And 
it's just cool to see that like it's kind of like I feel like a generational thing for us like I've always just known strong women in my life and I think that you like you said it is super important that it's not so much about like for me it's like oh both of us work we get to both pursue our passions it's not oh I'm just and not that there's anything wrong with being just a mom like I don't want to diminish that but right. I think it's it's an amazing opportunity at this like 2018 I feel like people are really starting to recognize okay women have passions you know they they have these career goals yeah. and it is a time for like that equality yeah. it's it's overdue you know <laughs> I think it's it's uh, and you you had kind of mentioned the basically just the role of your mom and, and mm-hmm. what you've done. Do you think that was pretty crucial? Yeah, I just always saw as a kid, my parents were always, my dad always had ideas for things, you know, whether that, whether or not they came to fruition, but he actually, when he was a kid, um, he grew up on a dairy farm and he decided he didn't want to be a dairy farmer. So he convinced his parents to turn into a golf course. And now it's like a functioning 18-hole golf That's course. That's crazy. And yeah, so I That's think awesome. my parents have always had this like entrepreneurial fire in them. You know, from a young age, I saw that. And I definitely think that translated into my own life. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm, but like that to me was like, okay, I can pursue my passions. I can do this on my own. And yeah. I think that's always been ingrained in me, which is cool. So I, yeah. yeah, not many people can say that. Like, you know, a lot of people's parents are like, oh, you need to follow, go get a degree and follow some mindless job. And my right. parents have always been supportive. Of that. I think that's one of those things that like is, for me, it was kind of subconscious and I didn't recognize it. And I'm still recognizing the influence of my parents mm-hmm. in like things that I do and the, the passions that I have. Um, did you, like, have you always recognized that or did um, you come to realize like, oh, okay, well, that's maybe where I got right. that? Right. I definitely think it was an it older takes a thing. While. Um, you know, as you grew up, you're like, oh, I really do appreciate my parents. Like you don't it's, realize that when you're like. It takes so long. Yeah. I don't, it's kind of scary. Like I have these two daughters and yeah. I like love them. You know, you just love them with all of your being, but you're like for a while, they're going to want to be totally different than and you. They might and they might hate totally, you. And yeah. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. I read a really good book. I, I'll have to link it to you. Because okay. like, it's Twyla Tharp. She's a choreographer and dancer. Okay. And she talks about finding your creative DNA. And it's a lot about it. Like, that's actually where I started thinking about, okay, where do these things come from? Like, I've always been creative, but like, what in my childhood fostered this? Or, you know, like, what, yeah. like, there are distinct memories in my life when I can trace back to, like, oh, this was really crucial in developing, like, this creative eye or something like that. Um, I'll definitely have to find the name of that book for you um, for the podcast. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's really good. Um, just talking about, yeah, finding your roots and realizing where that creativity comes from, is, it's, it's powerful. So if, if anyone listening has not heard about Liz Ryden, you're, you're crazy. But, no, if you haven't, <laughs> where, where can, um, can someone find? Sure. Find my bags? Yeah. Um, so LizRadden.com is obviously the first place to go. Um, that's my personal website and the most the easiest way to buy if you're not in Pennsylvania. Um, I do have about, I'd say about 15 stores across the nation that carry my bags right okay. now. Um, if you're a Lancaster local, you can go to Sophie Stargazer on Queen Street. Um, but otherwise, I have stores in Georgia, I have stores in Florida, pretty much everywhere. Okay. So, is there a list of those yes, stores? If you go on so my if website, I want to like go in and I want to actually really feel the, you know. Yeah, um, on my website there's a list of stockists that you okay. can check out. Um, yeah. That's a fancy word, by the stockists. way. I saw stockists, and that is <laughs> that wasn't in my stockists. vocabulary, but now it is, and it's much better than retailers. It, yeah, or just like stores. You know, yeah. it's a fancy way to do it. It sounds like you're selling like basketball if yeah. you're like guitars. If you're yeah, these are my retailers. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, so LizRodden.com. Or, or if you actually want to, you know, see the bags right. or the hang, 
What, what else would you call them? Goods? I call them bags. I mean, okay. when I say leather you make more goods, than bags. I do. I make accessories, too. You make, like, um, I saw you made, um, like, nice camera straps, yes. right? Yeah, so I make, it's starting to branch out a little bit more. I started with just bags. Actually, I made the camera strap because I shoot weddings with my husband, and the day before a wedding, my, my really cheap camera strap broke, and I was like, okay, I need a camera That's strap. That's it, yeah. And made one, and then they yeah. took off. And we, we know a lot of photographers, so it was just kind of organic and I'm getting into more camera gear. I'm doing diaper bags, travel bags, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, if it's leather, I can probably make it. <laughs> oh, okay. You just started doing monogram yes. key rings. Yes. Um, the key rings I make, it's like a three-inch gold ring, and then you put your keys onto it. And my thought behind it was it's something you can slip on your wrist really easily. So oh, okay. I'm constantly getting things in and out of my car, whether it's groceries or my daughter or, you know, just equipment or whatever. So you can throw it on your wrist, and then you have hands-free keys. Um, so I had made one for myself. I put it up in my house, and my husband loved it and told me to sell them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've been super popular. They have a little leather tab on them so that you can stamp initials or whatever people would like on them. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so Liz was nice enough to offer one of these very popular monogram key rings to one lucky listener. All you have to do is follow... Liz Ryden, what's your Instagram? It's just at Liz Ryden. At Liz Ryden, super easy. Um, And then follow my page, at Mugshot Co., if you don't already. And then just tag a friend. I'm sure there will be a lot of entries. Yeah, thank you for having me. Like an ultimate girl boss, thank you so much for being on the show. She may or may not listen to this one. I hate the sound of my own voice, so I apologize to everyone listening. But hopefully you guys got some good stuff out of it. Thank you for having me. All right, awesome. Liz, thank you. All right, that was episode four with the founder, the creator, the designer, the photographer, the mother. Man, what doesn't she do? The incredibly talented Liz Franson of Liz Riding the Company. Thank you, Liz, for um, taking a second out of your busy day and having coffee with me. Thank you, Mean Cup, for the great service, the great coffee. Um, And thank you, the listeners, for listening. Don't forget to enter the giveaway. Um, all you have to do to win an original Liz Ryden monogram gold keyring is follow at Liz Ryden and follow at Mugshot Co. on Instagram, and we will announce the winner on April 30th. So again, thanks for listening. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>